Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. You know what doesn't <laughs> seem real to me? We got less than two weeks to go until the start of spring practice. It just seems like the season ended last yeah. week. It's a beautiful thing. Very We've gone true. through recruiting season, signing days done, winter conditioning is going on right now. We're about to get the pads back on. I'm going to give credit to the AAF for that. I want to say because now there's football like it actually in the offseason, not that we are all watching it, not that it's great, but it's just football happening. Even though it's spring football isn't always awesome and it isn't always great, it's irrelevant for the most part for most people watching. But when football's going on, it makes the days go by faster. Football yeah. football's like uh, macaroni and cheese. When it's good, it's really good. And when it's bad, it's still pretty good. Sex. Good yeah. point. That's how sex is, too. Yeah. <laughs> Mac and I was cheese just going to go the PG version, but <laughs> like thank George, you, Rod. Like George Costanza, I will combine them both if possible. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, but so ironically, my girl's favorite food basically is like uh, mac and cheese. So, oh, really? That's awesome. Yeah, I just she liked I the thought different varieties, like, mac and like some lobster mac and cheese, some bacon <laughs> Ooh, mac and cheese. She like, oh, Steiner Ranch Steakhouse has great lobster mac and cheese. It's one of the best I've ever had. I haven't been to Steiner Ranch Steakhouse in years. I'm telling you, man. The lobster mac and cheese is worth it. Okay. Yeah. You got to try that. Random. <laughs> Random endorsement there. <laughs> I've had uh, Pinkertons, and if Grant listens to this, he'll kill me. They've got uh, a Is mac and Houston? cheese they do. Yeah, I need to go They've there, They've got man. a mac and cheese they do over there. I've heard damn legit. good things about Pinkertons in H. Is it in Parallel? Where is it? Oh, it's in Houston. I mean, I mean like, like where in Houston? Kind of like uh, north like, of downtown, like uh, off right. of 45 Houston. area. Yeah, I got to go check it out because I've heard good things, and I know he's a big Longhorn fan. Yes, I, Grant I, is I a Texas it. guy. Yeah, yes. yeah, no doubt. Well, be down out. to eat any type of macaroni and cheese anybody will give me. I love when we're becoming like a foodie show, Randy, to start hey, off. I love this. The we, foodie mob. We kind of do. We do a little bit of everything. I, I'll talk <laughs> food. I'll talk anything. Yeah, this is Longhorn Blitz. We do talk Longhorn football, but we talk a lot of other stuff. I got to get a couple things out of the way at the top. Uh, a bit of personal news over the weekend. My, it was my daughter's first birthday party, which is hey. crazy to think about that it's yeah, been a year. I like that. Nice. And I'll show you guys pictures when we're done recording. But, yeah, it was uh, – I'll tell you what, what man. What was the theme? Can I ask that? Of the, the no, my wife just did. Uh, there was no like theme per theme, se. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of pink and gold. Everything was pink and gold. Oh, yeah. Nice. So oh, yeah. I Makes let sense. my wife handle all that stuff on the Your classic girl's birthday man. party. Wise I was man. like, I take no credit for anything you guys are, are enjoying. <laughs> I think the theme of this show is uh, time flies once you get old. We're yeah, just talking about much. how fast it goes by, babies. Yeah. I'll hey, tell you what, though, man. My wife had a really good idea. She decided to do a time capsule for my daughter, so everybody that was at the party wrote kind of a note oh. to her and put it in a shoebox, and then she'll open it on her 18th birthday. That is awesome. <laughs> and I was thinking, oh, that's cool, but Pretty then good. you kind of 
you Haitian. start seeing like relatives and family members that are writing and they're crying and so writing because they're like, I don't know if I'm gonna be here in 18 years, and it really starts making oh, you wow. think about kind of your mortality. <laughs> and talking about a bus kill, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a birthday party, and then well, it's thinking about really, your own funeral. Yeah, it really, that's true, but it really uh, just kind of it kind of makes wow. you think. So we really, it's a good perspective. Like, yeah, wow. that's, that's what I'm saying, man. Oh, you know what they should put, do? This is a new trend happening. Is that people now? For their unborn children or children that are going to be born, they make YouTube videos. They make videos for them. Talking to the unborn. Yeah, we're so. in the social media age. So, I mean, people who have done it, if they've died. And my they, kid, I'm going to have in five people, years. People give their own eulogies. Yeah. I've, been, yeah. I've been in a funeral where somebody actually on a video trippy. is talking. They're like, hey, what's up? I'm like, man, this is creepy and That's freaky. amazing. But when, well, why wouldn't you do that? I, don't know. Know. I mean, I've never yeah. thought about it. You just, I just never thought we're about it until you said this right now. You, that's what you should do. Like, you know, if you like, no, I mean, start making videos for your, you know, your daughters and stuff in such a situation. I've, your, I've looked know, at stuff like crazy. that in a totally different light, and we'll get back to football here in a minute. I know. I've looked at stuff no, like, like this that. in a totally different light. When my dad was getting sick, he decided he was going to have a going away party, in air quotes. And his thought process, I was like, Pops, that's kind of morbid, you know, like, hey, I'm dying, everybody come celebrate. But he said, look, when I get really sick at the end, I don't want people coming to see me. Exactly. Yep. Now, while I'm healthy and I got my bearings, this is when I want to enjoy family and friends and everybody just come and let's have a good time. Yeah. So I was like, good. well, that actually makes a whole hell of a lot of sense. It does. And yeah, I, yeah, I think, you know, the videos are kind of in that same mindset. It's like, well, that's kind of morbid. It's like, well, that's morbid. But, I mean, you can get to talk to the people you love and give them a message. Yeah. When you go, that's really, really cool. So, anyway. Sorry we went from a one-year-old birthday party <laughs> to, to going death, down death, that road. Death, that's the life. circle of circle life, life. brothers, what you were talking about there. That's what's yeah. happening, man. Uh, uh, like you're getting life. old. Some new perspective. the Lion King? Yeah. We the didn't start Longhorn Blitz with much life. perspective. There you go. That's, that was really deep. The stuff. We're from sex and mac and cheese to <laughs> birthday. In five to minutes. Death. Less than five minutes. That's how we roll yes. here on the Blitz. That what, They would have loved that segment on radio t- a decade ago. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the blitz, some logistical news we got to get out of the way. Uh, and Matt and I will keep you guys updated on this, so check our Twitter feeds. I'm at JeffHow247. Matt is easy to find. He's at Longhorn Blitz. Matt Boom. owns the Longhorn Blitz Twitter account. So. Yeah, I need to do some more of that. Yeah. Um, so basically, we're migrating over to another platform. Now, who does this impact? If you're subscribing on iTunes or any well, other. Well, for now, we all it is is, you know, we have our show today, and you and I have the guy that I'm going to supply a feed right. to. But, you know, nothing hopefully will change much. But if it will, I guess next episode we'll have all the details. Right. So this shouldn't change anything if you're on yeah. iTunes or any kind of platform like that where you get your podcast shouldn't change anything for you who is this going to change things for if you are an exclusive soundcloud listener this will affect you in all likelihood so just uh you know if basically if you don't listen exclusively on soundcloud ignore everything i just said if you listen exclusively on soundcloud matt and i will keep you updated on uh, probably the best way to get the podcast going forward so just uh, keep an eye keep your eyes peeled on twitter uh and we'll uh we'll keep you guys updated on that all right, and one other piece of news before we get going. Normally, we are on 104.9 The Horn, our wonderful partners here at the Austin Radio Network. We're on The Horn on Tuesdays, but we're at that time of the year where we've got men's basketball, women's basketball, baseball, all kinds of stuff going on, and The Horn is the flagship station yeah, for UT fun. Athletics. So we're going to move to Thursday night. So after Longhorn Weekly with Shaka Smart, that'll lead right in to the Blitz. So the Blitz is moving from Tuesdays yeah. to Thursdays. For now, we'll see like kind of what happens with our schedule once football season gets rolling. But uh, we've got yeah. months and months to figure all that out. But that perfect sense. if you're listening on the horn, if you're tuning in Tuesday, 
it's not bad. You'll get Craig Way calling a baseball game, which is always awesome. But uh, you want to listen on Thursday nights after Longhorn Weekly is when uh, is when you'll get the blitz from now on. All right, let me bring in the rest of the team. I'm not going to do the wholesale introductions. Just uh, he is Matt Butler, the sound, the drop machine extraordinaire, He's the man, the man behind the board. Matt, how's it going? Pretty well, man. Yourself? Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All American, card carrying member of DBU. Doesn't have his T. When is that T ring coming in? By oh, the way? No, no, I need to go. I'm starting to really I wonder been, about this. I haven't been back there. Yeah, I need to go just talk to them. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm sure I, it's up to me. It's my responsibility to go get it. <laughs> it would have been. I thought it would. So do. That's probably why I don't have it. It yet. took until like two weeks ago, and I was like, man, this would be a really good joke if Rod just said that he reordered yeah. it, and they just never reordered it. Yeah. Jim so. Thorpe Award semifinalist, former NFL draft choice, uh, lifetime Longhorn. Rod Babers. Uh, Rod, sorry for not the lack of a formal introduction no this week. We'll Thank get back you. to it next week. So Tom Herman's in the business of loading up the uh, support staff right now. A couple analyst hires since we had our last show. We talked a lot about uh, on the whole show pretty much last week was devoted to Larry Fedora and the Larry Fedora hire and what it means. Yeah. Since then, we've had an offensive analyst and a defensive analyst hired. Mm-hmm. Paul Williams is coming in as the cornerbacks coach from Houston. He's cornerbacks coach at Miami. Uh, he's gonna. He has been hired as an analyst. What is what is Paul Williams' connection to Texas? You might ask. You've got to go all the way back to 1997 and 1998, when he and a young Todd Orlando were on the same staff at Penn, not Penn State. Mm. Talking about Penn, the Quakers, the Quakers, Ivy League football. Wow. Yeah. That's before you got to UConn. Yeah. Oh yeah. Damn. That was a long time ago. Yes. And then, obviously, what he was, uh, what was Todd Lando coaching? Linebackers? Linebackers, yes. Believe it, Penn, the responsibility would be Paul Williams had DBs and special teams, and Todd Orlando was coaching linebackers. Um, Yeah, that's interesting. I, uh, yeah, Paul Williams is interesting because, uh, and I know that you can go back to his track record, and he's got some uh, some guys who've been drafted into the league, and that's always impressive for your resume. Talent development has not really been an issue for Texas. They've been able to develop talent really, really well. Love what Jason Washington's doing. Love what Craig Navarro's doing. I think when you bring in Paul Williams, I think one of the things that they, uh, at least one of the things that the staff likes about him, I'm sure there are a lot of reasons they brought him in. Um, I, he has uh, that Tampa 2 in his background. He was with Lovey Smith for a couple mm-hmm. of years. Everybody knows that Lovey Smith, along with you know Tony Dungy and – you know, uh, uh, Mike Tomlin's one of those guys, too, uh, that were able to, you know, really reinvent defense in the NFL with the Tampa 2. It was actually one of the 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 last great evolutions, <laughs> evolutionary adaptations on the defensive side of the ball, unfortunately. And I think Texas wants a little access to that. I think, that, And I know Texas has run their cover, too, but the Tampa 2 and perfecting the Tampa 2 is different. You really got to have great athleticism to do it. And what's what? There's the two keys to the Tampa two, and I, I I got a chance to run it when I was in Chicago. I got a chance to run it when I was with Tampa, uh, actually under Mike Tomlin and that group, uh, having that line that really athletic inside linebackers who can you can run, all right, so they can cover the middle of the field and that that middle vertical route. That's how you kind of test the cover two, and athletic safeties with range. Mm-hmm. And think about the safeties that Texas has. You know what I mean? If you want to think about guys who have a lot of range and can cover. Stearns. You're talking about, yeah, whether you're talking about Caden Stearns or Brandon Jones or B.J. Foster. You know, those guys are safeties, really athletic guys who can cover ground and have range. And that fits into what Texas wants to be. It's the most physical team. That's the Tampa 2 is kind of all about being physical. Even in your secondary, your corners are big and physical. Texas is recruiting 
big physical corners. I think they just want that in their repertoire. Yeah. And not saying they don't already run some cover two, but I think they run to run that aggressive Tampa two where you, uh, and number one, and I remember Mike Tomlin yelling at me mm-hmm. when I was in Tampa, you got to be able to get your hands on the wide receivers, got to be able to reroute those guys. You know, maybe that's something that he can help bring to the table. Even last year, even though like I can say the talent development has been great. Remember me complaining about them playing bump and run base? They just call it turn and run because they just turn and run. Like they don't right. get their hands on wide receivers. And they're big. Devontae Davis and Chris Board, big physical corners. They should have been trying to do that more, and they didn't do it effectively enough. So I think that's one of the things they're going to try to bring to the table. Yeah. At least what they're looking at in Paul Williams. I, I like the hire because clearly, I mean, they've been in a staff room together before. And, you know, I think it's worth repeating like what an analyst does. Basically, an analyst is somebody you're bringing in. To do work that normally a graduate assistant would be doing, yeah. you're the the benefit of having an analyst, and it's a lot of guys that you know maybe they got fired from a previous job or whatever. Basically, they're they're making the kind of income on the side to where you can pay them thirty five, forty grand a year to come in and do analyst work, uh, which is kind of the case with Larry Fedora. He's getting that offset from North Carolina, which mm-hmm. I don't know what the buyout was, but you know well, he's comfortable. Yeah, he's, <laughs> exactly. He ain't worried about uh, money. And the same thing with the guys Nick Saban's hired, whether it's Butch Jones or Lane Kiffin or, or whoever. Yeah, or Steve Sarkeesian. Or Major Applewhite. Yeah, he's Major Applewhite's getting the buyout from Houston. See, he's had plenty of guys mm-hmm. uh, over the years that have done the same thing. But basically what you're doing, Rod, is you're taking jobs and a job function that a graduate assistant would have handled previously. You've just got a very experienced veteran set of eyes yep. doing that job right now, and, and those eyes are going to be able to see things. And if you're on the same wavelength, if you've been in a staff meeting with that coach, you know exactly what he's looking for. You're basically just getting, like, advanced-level GA work exactly. from a guy that's had an infinite amount more experience than a GA. And, and as you pointed out, they can't recruit, all right? They can't go out in the field and coach the guys. Really, their main interaction is going to be with the other coaches. Right. All right, and that's how they're going to contribute. So basically, you just you just renting out access to their to that football IQ and their football acumen. Mm-hmm. All right, everything through the prism of what that coach has seen. So he's going to watch film and he's going to see it through a certain prism, and that's what you're bringing on. You're like, no, I I, I want to see the way you. I want to see the way you are going to approach this game approach. And I, I'm sure a lot of it. If I'm coach, I start right now with the self scouting. I'm. Sh- I want all of them watching film on us. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Number one, coming in the spring, I want all these guys, break us down. Break me down. Break us down right now. I need all y'all with game plans going up against Texas. That's what I want. I want to know what our weaknesses are, what our strengths are, things that I have not seen that I just can't see. I just, I'm too close to it. I biases. can't see the forest for the trees. Mm-hmm. So that's the number one thing I, I think Tom Herman's going to have him doing. Break us down. And then once we st- – and that's what spring is about, right? right. Spring is about self-scouting. It's about you improving your weaknesses, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, kind of the introspective uh, view of team building. So I think that's where these guys – that's why he wanted them in right now. That's why he wanted them in. That's why he wants Beatty in. He wants them guys to look at Texas. Hell, he, he initially wanted – remember, that's what, it's what he said. He said he wanted uh, David Beatty to look at Texas. It was all about him – watching film on Texas rather than watching or telling him what they were bringing to the table uh, versus OU or how they scouted OU. Uh, but right. I, I just I don't think that's necessary. When you when you <laughs> talk about this, you know, we talked about the last decade at Texas and having no continuity amongst staff, and then finally we were talking about oh well this year finally have a little bit of continuity or retention. Now the players are familiar, and then now you're sort of talking about 
adding continuity because you're bringing in guys that have the prior relationships, former colleagues or friends, people that understand you, and probably you trust their opinion. They trust you to give you an honest one, so it's great for that self-appraisal. But then the idea that not only is this staff not falling apart and having to reinstall something new and kids to learn new stuff, now we're adding and then bringing in even more continuity with guys that you're familiar with and have worked with really well. So, And then when you brought up pin football and it was like I knew I had thought about pin football recently and if y'all had seen the recent drunk history when Teddy Roosevelt basically saved <laughs> football if y'all yeah. remember the story yeah. but yeah that was he saw the bloodied photo of a Swarthmore player after a pin yeah. football player had knocked his face and <laughs> that actually ended up spawning change to the game to save football but I haven't thought of pin football really since then drunk history. yes awesome. <laughs> um, but no now I, I totally agree with you and I, I think both you guys made really good points I think it's it's also it's it gets, it, man. It's the beauty of this arrangement. That's new arrangement. It it it's basically a win win for everybody because even mm-hmm. the coaches, it's basically a year long job interview for them. Mm-hmm. Now we don't know if there are going to be changes, but we know that Tom Herman's got most of his assistants on one year deals. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Man, that's he, a he says these it's, days. And I, I actually I totally agree. I don't know if Nick Saban has this, but that's but it sounds very Saban like. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It sounds because he he said basically. I if if you shouldn't worry about job security if you're the best at what you do and you're working your your tail off job security shouldn't shouldn't be a, you know it shouldn't be an issue that CBS and with that's the, the Masters reason, every year yeah, one year contract they never go long yeah term. and that's the reason that he gave and I think it's really really important to point out that he's bringing in guys like Larry Fedora he's bringing in guys like David Beatty former head coaches um you know what I mean and he's you know he's bringing in guys like Paul Williams and uh what's the other guy's Andre name Andre Coleman who we'll talk about here in a minute Andre Coleman thank you very much um and you know if his coaches get a promotion which there've been rumors about Drew Maringer and other guys on the you staff You hope your guys do that means they're good it's like, and which Tom you Harman, don't want Tom Harmon has already said I like guys who want to get head coaching yeah. jobs so I think right now he is just putting himself in a position that just in case something happens and you know what maybe I got to demote a guy who knows? Maybe some guy, you know, does a really bad job this year, and one of these other guys, I think, has a better football mind or a better grasp on how to help us. You know, then I can also benefit from this arrangement. So I think for Tom Herman, it it only it only helps his chance of chances of success if he just keeps adding to this support staff guys who have or are accredited and legitimate. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's why not. Exactly. I think it's no ban on it. <laughs> yeah. I think it's smart to keep your coordinators on multi-year deals because those guys, to me, are, are yes. on a different level. It's assistance, you know? though, yeah. The like if you've goes, got yeah. if you've got a, a you know I'll use Drew Manager as an example. If Drew Manager gets a job to go be a, an offensive coordinator at a Power Five school, that's a job he needs to go take. Yep. He does. Oh yeah. You know, to, it's a, just to advance normally his you career. Only, if you're confident to take a one-year job, you're somebody that is basically confident in themselves. That no, I don't even want to commit long term. It's more of a compliment to the person than the school the school definitely would want to lock them up with doing but, it that way but if you're talking about a guy like Todd Orlando now you're talking about okay he's a guy that can more or less pick where he goes a defensive coordinator job would be a lateral move for him or a step down so you want to lock that guy up because he's that important to to you and your football program and look I mean we see rather the amount of money coordinators getting paid now Todd Orlando really isn't a position where he can stay at Texas for really as long as he wants until that perfect job yep. that he sees 
becomes Opens available. Up for him, yeah. uh, so Paul Williams will help Todd Orlando, and I think it's worth mentioning. You know, Todd Orlando, as far as I know, I haven't heard that he's left or anything. He's got a, a guy who's been a really good defensive analyst for him in, in Roosevelt Majit, who uh, played at Iowa State, a guy that understands the league. And uh, I thought, you know, 2017, I thought he made a really good analyst hire, bringing in Trey Haverty, a guy that played, uh, you know, played at Texas Tech, coached at Texas Tech, mm-hmm. coached under Gary Patterson at TCU, another guy understood the Big 12, had legitimate on-field coaching experience. Now you're having him in the analyst role. And Trey Haverty now, I believe he's the co-DC uh, up at SMU for Sonny Dyke. So those are the kinds of guys you're looking uh, to be in analyst roles, like we said. So maybe guys that just want to kind of kick back and not get back into it for a year or maybe just kind of want to figure out, okay, let me go get into another part of the country. You know, Paul Williams had been major pretty much a Midwest or East Coast guy. If he goes to Houston last year for one year under Major Applewhite, that staff gets blown up, and maybe he said, well, maybe I want to kick it around in the state of Texas for another year and kind of get a taste of Big 12 or Don't want to take a crappy job. Well, you can uh, well, you can also, you know, you take some time, uh, get, you're getting paid. Right. You can also work your craft and cultivate your craft, mm-hmm. still make connections, but then you can um, try to f- be more deliberate about your next decision. You, you don't force into desperation exactly. decisions like, oh, man, I got to take this job. It's like, no, so, no. Let, me, let, me, let me survey the land. Let me see what opens up. Let me make some connections, make some calls. I think it just... It's basically their version of unemployment. They just get to kind of sit around and watch film in a dark room. Be a freelancer. Talk to coaches. And they get to go home early to see the, you know, and if wifey's in town or whatever and hang out. Hell, maybe wifey's not in town. Maybe wifey is in another state. And that's it sounds like a job for too. Rod Babers. <laughs> you know, they're like, baby, I got to go in. Maybe they want to be here for four or five months doing nothing without wifey, without having to recruit, without coaching. These guys need a little break. They get burned out. Oh, you know yeah. I mean, I think, I think a lot of this is burnout from these coaches. Like, man, I'd love to just kind of downgrade. You know what I mean? For a year, sit in the film room. I mean, this guy. It's first, a better First of all, these guys are love football. They they love it. They they live it. They breathe it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of these guys they love the idea of just sitting in a dark room. All right, closed off from the world as a head coach like Major <laughs> or Larry Fedora. Think about things they had to deal with. Larry Fedora's answering questions about CTE G-E. and all this kind of things. Like, damn it, I just want to go sit in a dark room and watch football. And I need to figure out like, what's right? going. Major Applewhite's involved with this theater with Ed Oliver and taking camp. a jacket and stuff. He's like, no, like Mushchamp's even like, no. All I want to do is just what? go watch Charlie Strong is going to be perfect oh for it. Here, he's going to be an eighty-year-old. Charlie, exactly. <laughs> he's going to still be doing it just as a yeah. hobby. These guys just want to go sit in the dark room and watch football, man. That's all they want to do. And yep. this gives them that opportunity why they, you know, kind of take a, a collective, like, you know. They, Without uh, having to uproot maybe inventory. your family. Yeah. Long-term and, decision, and multi-years. Used, yeah, there, there didn't used to be a time, uh, uh, an option for this purgatory. No, you had to g- take a new career or something. Yeah, you either knows? had to take the crappy-ass job as an assistant in Midwest yeah. or find a new career. Now you have this avenue where you can actually refine your skill, get paid probably pretty well, and then be able to be a free agent. And literally, it can only help you. Because if you are not doing well as an analyst, you probably aren't very good at it anyways and weren't supposed to be in that role anyway. Like that's So it's only going to help you get a stepping stone in probably beyond your control. Like If you just happen to be an analyst at the right team, if you pick it and they'll be like, let's go see who Nick has this year. All right. I mean, I thought it was perfect for Major Apple to take an analyst role oh, this no year question. because you don't want to force yourself into the next gig, especially when you leave another one. Because if you have to leave a second one, then you could really maybe not have that next opportunity. This way, you always have it and can sort of find that landing spot as like your free agent. You know, I agree. The interesting analyst hire for me is Andre Coleman coming over from Kansas State, and this is a guy that played for Bill Snyder, coached under Bill Snyder, so he'd been under that Bill Snyder tree. 
for a long time. And Rod, you know, we we just got through talking about you know assistant coaches being on contracts uh, with you know the the offensive assistants anyway, with the exception of Herb Hand. All of their deals, Tim Beck included, will expire after the 2019 season. Yeah. So, to me, uh, you can read into that what you will. Uh, to me, this is Tom Herman looking at it. And, and bringing in Larry Fedora, you're bringing in a guy that clearly is his own guy. Like, Larry Fedora is not a yes man. We know that from yeah, we know that. studying his background yeah. and everything else. And from what I've gathered from Andre Coleman's time at K-State, Andre Coleman was – Pretty much the lone assistant coach who stood up to Bill Snyder last year. Do you remember their whole quarterback controversy, yeah, right? Alex with Delton, Scott Thompson, Alex thing? Delton, and Scott Thompson, and Bill Snyder really wanted Alex Delton and put in, you know, bench Scott Thompson and went with Alex yeah. Delton without telling Andre Coleman. <laughs> now, Andre Coleman was apparently the one coach who was willing to stand up to Bill Snyder and say, "No, this is wrong." We're playing the wrong guy. We need to be going with Skylar Thompson, not Alex Delton. Thank God they made that mistake two years in a row because I remember when I was saying, thank God for benching Alex Delton here. (laughs) So clearly if 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 you've got enough about you to be able to to be a man of your convictions and stand up to Bill Snyder in a staff meeting room, you're clearly your own man. So, so Rod, I think this is hiring these guys, it's twofold. I think, one, if you find yourself in in an immediate need for a receivers coach, after this season, you can do a lot worse than Andre Coleman, a guy who, by all accounts, busts his tail, enjoys recruiting, and from what I've heard from K-State people, you can pretty much drop him into any area that you would ask him to recruit, and he'll go do a good job because he's such a people person and yeah. he's really good about developing relationships. And we've seen guys on this staff, Jay, whether it's Jason Washington or Craig Niver or whoever, guys we've seen multiple have, guys yeah. that just – guys that know how to recruit and can go out and recruit. Yeah. So it, it – it helps you do that, but in the same way where Larry Fedora is really going to help Tom Herman you know, expand the RPO game and maybe he helps Tom Herman work with tempo or finding matchups. or there, As we talked about last week, there's a lot of levels of football where those guys are on the same page. Agreed. The one thing that I think Andre Coleman's going to really help do with this offense when you talk about self-scouting, especially in spring, is Andre Coleman learned the quarterback run game under Bill Snyder. And Bill Snyder, we've seen over the years – He's had a lot of different quarterbacks, mm-hmm. and they've run the football with those quarterbacks in a lot of different ways. Agreed. And when you've got a guy like Sam Ellinger, the ability now to get with Andre Coleman and say, hey, if you had him at K-State, what would you guys do with him? Like, let's go ahead and expand this quarterback run game package. And we talk about the need to kind of unleash Sam Ellinger, and you're built, you've built this offense around him. This, to me, Rod, is just another element of, okay, we've got a guy that was with one of the really – one of the forward-thinking guys in terms of having a spread offense with a quarterback run game and Bill Snyder. Andre Coleman was under that tree. Let's see what he knows and let's go implement some of that. Yeah, but well you also – yeah, and I totally agree with you. And and one thing is that K-State it makes them really unique in their quarterback running games. They run quarterback power. You know what right. I mean? With Colin Klein back in the day, I mean, they'd run Colin Klein in between the tackles. Mm-hmm. Um, and even at times with Alex Delton. So, I mean, I think that is – that's unique. They run a lot of RPOs. Um, so, the run-pass option, I think, is something Larry Fedora uh, was one of the, you know, pioneers with. He's, that's one of his uh, kind of the bread-and-butter concepts. Same thing with K-State. They run a lot of RPOs with Sam Ellinger. You brought up the quarterback run game. I think that also they want to um, kind of build on him – as a you know a mini Tim Tebow and having you know that quarterback power, but also have the RPO as a part of that, as a right. part of that, you know, to weaponize him and to weaponize him as a dual threat quarterback. Let's just add the RPO concept and make him that much more dangerous. So I think that's what 
those two hires do have in common. One thing I think also that, you know, um, Andre Combs going to bring to the table, going way, way back to his roots even as a player, he was a great special teams player, awesome special teams player. I mean, he really he actually has Super Bowl records. He has oh, like, yeah. yo, he has a like kickoff return. Um, hold on, make sure I get it right here. I think he's got a kickoff return Super Bowl records. Yeah, he's got a couple of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's he, he actually has a I think the the record for uh, the amount of kickoff return kickoff return yardage um, in a game in a Super Bowl. He's also got the uh, he had ninety eight yard kickoff return touchdown in a Super Bowl, which is second longest Super Bowl history. Um, was his most rookie, his rookie year with returns, the Chargers, huh? His rookie year with the Chargers. Yeah, most kickoff returns was eight. He had the most return yards uh, in the Super Bowl, I think, with two hundred forty four. So the ninety four Super Bowl. Yeah, years. like he just had, he, he had a he had a, a great game. I not that it really mattered because the Chargers ended up getting beat, but he really had a great game. But even going back to his time at K State as a player, he was a better special teams player and a returner than he was as a receiver. As a receiver, you know, he was just kind of a he was a jag to be honest. But as a special teams player, he was special. I think he had like four thousand four hundred sixty six total yards of kickoff returns, two touchdowns. Uh, he was a good punt returner, had a touchdown as a punt returner. That's why he was special. That's why he has natural instincts. And go look at the special teams for K-State, right? How does K? How did K-State come up? Come, That's how come Bill Snyder built his brand. It was on special teams, man. Mm-hmm. Hard-nosed, disciplined special teams. Where's Texas actually been subpar, really subpar, the last two or three years? It's been on special teams, especially in the return game on special teams. I think that's a part of what Andre Coleman's going to That's something I to. wasn't even really thinking about. But no yeah, doubt. I, pr- I appreciate you throwing that in there, Rod. Yeah, I, I look at those Super Bowl records. He's got records, right? Mo- yeah. he was, you know who else Mo- was on that team? Oh, Gail Gilbert. Garrett Gilbert's Gail Gilbert oh, was really? the back and forth then, then, then Eric Bieniemy though. <laughs> Eric Bieniemy. That's a ba- great football <laughs> mind. Jeff I just Ron, think about another football mind. I just guy. think about most kids. Kickoff returns to the Super Bowl. That's probably a record you don't want to have because that's true. <laughs> that I mean, means you're giving up a lot of I points. I thought about that, but it was a blowout, <laughs> and that makes. But he actually ranked shot when he had a chance to return. Oh, yeah. I mean, he did the damn thing. He was a really, he was a special return man. I don't know if he was a special receiver, but like, I would be honest. K State probably wasn't throwing the ball a lot back then, so I, I don't know if that was all him. No, he said he, you know, he was kind of the first in line because K State had, had a long line of those guys. Yeah, well, you you go from Andre Coleman, then you know David Allen Great was that guy for a long time. Then Aaron Lockett was that guy. Yeah, uh, Jordy Nelson was yeah, that guy. Uh, Sproles, Darren Sproles, Tyler guy. Lockett. Oh, yeah, God, so they've always had. Me. I think Terrence Newman returned punts for them when I was on, uh, coming up like that. Uh-huh. Yamon Yamon figures Yamon figures got drafted off returning punts yeah. against Texas in one no, game. No, you're right. Yeah. They always have had a great punt return. Oh, Stanley Richard was still on that team. Yeah, so I think that I think I mean I don't know for a fact, but I think it would be. It'd be foolhardy not to, you know, try to get his contributions on special teams. Well, especially I think they players. would. You know, Casey Horney, that's kind of his – I mean, for all oh, intents yeah, and purposes, well, Casey Horney's kind of the de facto special teams coach, even though, you yeah. know, he's – And we know they don't – they're not roles. They're not totally sold on what happened to special teams because they already made a change. It was subtle. Well, but I, I think that was more of, you know, right? elevated. I think they that was more Craig of – Well, I think that, that's not necessarily an indictment on Craig Niver. I think that was you're elevating him to – a co-DC role, so somebody's got to have the special teams coordinator type. But we know, like, this is a staff, and Rod, you've been out to practice. This is a staff to everybody. It's kind of like a more controlled version of what Charlie Strong was trying to do where everybody on the staff is in charge of, like, a different – Special teams, you no, know, that's like, how most like, teams like are. Tom Herman coaches the punt team. Most most still. team most teams are like that, but you still need a culture on 
an right. identity for your phase of the game. And right now, Texas really doesn't have an identity on special teams. No, I, I you know agree what I mean? That's that. what Mac Brown was big about, right? That's why, you know, we Mick had Vey all these has old bones fossil over there. Yeah, we had all these different phases of the game. He would name them, and it'd be the posse and all this kind of stuff. He would name all the different, you know. They, but he was trying to give them an identity, something mm-hmm. to take pride in. And it worked. I don't know if Tom Herman has that just yet. I know they've done the name thing, but I think it's it's you know what I mean. Yeah. It's still, it's a, it, it's not there just yet. But it, I think not too, organically, it, not or, it will, I'm sure it will get there. That to you me is that, that, that He's to a special me, teams guy. Tom well, yeah, but that to guy. me is a big part of recruiting too, because typically, as you start recruiting better personnel, typically. Yep. You know, especially on special teams, special special teams, it's more of your big skill guys, your linebackers and tight ends. Those guys are more often. Yeah, but K State defied that. Your core the, defied that theory. You know, because K State didn't have young well, talented that's guys. The one thing. They were just bringing in guys. Self appraisal. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, now you're talking so, about you're getting back to the culture. That's, aspect, that's, that's, right. what, that's my point. It's like no, 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 because I think Tom Herman's a big culture guy. Like right. we want to be the most physical team in the Big Twelve. We want to punk people. We want to be physical. Like he's a big culture guy. And I think Roster you want to get to the culture of special teams. K-State has the best culture of special teams probably in the history of college football. And they've done it with not jacks, but cast-offs. Yep. You know what I mean? Well, and I think I he's like, yeah. we, don't, we shouldn't have to have the five stars on our special teams, you know what I mean, to he be proves, really effective. Yeah. We should have good special teams right now at Texas, even with the talent deficiencies that we have on our roster. Uh, yeah, need uh, the right uh, players in those pieces. Yeah. And the guys that I think, are – I think, I think – Then the, if you have great athletes doing it, it just makes it be Texas Michael Griffin even higher in level. 2000. I think the, then you get to Virginia Tech, exactly. what Texas was in right. 2000. Yep. I think the talent's part of it, but I think the bigger thing is, Rod, uh, to me – when I look at the special teams, I think you just need to kind of even out because we've seen times where special teams has been really good. No, 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 no I agree. It's, it's inconsistent. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. I all think that's kind of it's yeah. yeah right. I think and it's to the point where all your right. teams, you always yeah. win. It's like no, 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 we win that phase. It's yeah. sort of right. on par with where the rest of the that program was. Yeah, because that's a phase you should win when you're at Texas. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, there's no reason for you not to win. Now, offense, defense, that's game plan, that's strategy, that's you know, great coaches. You got to play all that kind of stuff. You play a good quarterback, that kind of stuff, but. Man, special teams, it's really about whose roster is the most talented. Yeah. And if you got a good kicker in Texas, you should always have good kickers. Period. Well, and they should always have the most talented roster other than when they play Oklahoma or when they play Georgia. I think now mm-hmm. with, with Cameron Dicker and Ryan Bashevsky both coming up as true freshmen at the same time, yeah. hopefully now you'll see, okay, for the next three seasons – you don't have to worry about kicker or punter. Like, those two roles are going to take care of themselves. You'll, you'll be fine right there. Yeah, no doubt. And now it's about filling out the rest of your, your core specialty. We, we talk about safeties. Like, that's a great way. Like, a guy like Tyler Owens at 6'2", 200, who oh, goes out man. this weekend on the that, track and runs a 10 4 one What? Yeah. The gunner? Like that? Gunner? Oh, he's he's on my kickoff team. I ain't no kickoff, Rob. He was on kickoff and I was a gunner. But, dude, that dude's been my gunner. Yeah. Big like that? No. Yeah. Yeah, and he's, he's going. He's going to have a role as a core special teams guy. Yeah, for sure. Agreed. We saw Anthony Anthony Cook. I think was on every special team last year except PAT, he should be except PAT field goal. Yeah, nah, yeah, he ain't big enough for that. Nah, <laughs> nah but I think he was on every special team. You should be, be fighting on. to be on every special teams. Yeah, I yeah, remember that was like the first way you get on the field. Yeah, you get the I think I when I my freshman year I was a gunner. I was the uh, the hold up guy on the uh, the punt return team. I was on the kickoff team. Hell, man. I was on it. I wasn't on kick. Actually, ooh, was I on kickoff return? I don't think I was. 
But I was when I got into the league. They made me play kickoff returns. I was like, what That's the hell? That's funny. Yeah. What the hell? What were you doing? <laughs> I, I wasn't on it for long. <laughs> but I, I had to like, uh, well, yeah, I was one of like the outside guys in the middle. The comeback. Yeah, to come back and, and, and block. And like, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't like a part of the wedge, but yeah. you would come back and you'd block the mm, uh, what, sideline. Yeah, the sideline guy. Like, yeah. one of the two guys from the edge. Yeah. You know my <laughs> favorite. Boy, but you, hearing about you being a nickelback, stopping the option and stuff, really, I was like, hey, right, low center of gravity, go in there and just take out the wedge. They got a Rod B to block a Rod B. Yeah. That's what the, the thing got to. Instead of getting a big, you know, big mm-hmm. lineman or a big fullback or linebacker to block those guys coming off the edge, the one and the twos on the kickoff, no, let's get a Rod get B. You know, I, uh, let's go chip. You know that I mean? reminds Jam- me of my, my favorite part of Saturday morning film in the high school was, like, somebody inevitably would get – usually, especially at the level I played, like, your special teams guys are going to be the guys that don't normally play, right? Agreed. Yeah, exactly. That's and, like, so, it, inevitably, <laughs> so it happened. Win or lose, blowout, close game, whatever, inevitably – Somebody, there's going to be a gunner or a jammer that gets fired during Saturday morning field session. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. who, who is that? Who is that? What oh, the hell? oh, that's that's Smith, Coach Smith. You're fired, son. <laughs> yeah, we go. We, we get to practice on Monday. Somebody get me a new gunner on. Man, a fly in the wall in a high school film room is probably seen the best stories. Oh, well, fly on the wall in a film room. Period. Rod B, you've been in some of those film sessions where you want. But to the crawl, frustration crawl levels the when it's yeah. high school kids, like before you get to the scholarship athlete level, like there's some fun interactions there. Yeah, I remember. Watching the U and like everybody who's played football and been and been in a film session has talked about like you know when Jimmy Johnson's looking for people that are loafing he goes who is that you you never want to be that you never want to be that and if you're that you want to like crawl in a hole and don't even know who you are right yeah who is that it's like oh God. and if you're if you're that you just want to crawl in a hole and die coach Babers <laughs> what the is that there's an uh, entire Simpsons yeah. episode where Mr Burns doesn't know Homer and, it, and I love when they they rewind it they go back and forth they just keep rewinding your mistake and your missed block or your whatever your missed tackle so Babers and it's like you just going back like reversing <laughs> and going forward like missing the tackle son what the <laughs> hell are you doing <laughs> and everybody's just like mm, mm, mm. well coach uh, I uh, I put my head down you damn right you put your head down you gotta see what you hit how did you get to the league I got you <laughs> like damn is that Mike Tomlin's voice? <laughs> I don't know. That's I, just Rod B's career. I remember I got I got called out one time. I got called out one time by my offensive line coach. He goes, Coach, stop that. He goes, Jeff Howe, what are you doing right here, son? I was like, mm-hmm. we can talk about coach. He's like, you're not blocking anybody. He goes, it looks like you're running a go route and a very <laughs> slow one at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's good. That is really good. Uh, but anyway, so we talked about what Andre Coleman brings to the table. Rod, thank you for bringing up the special teams aspect, which that was my fault for not thinking about that. That's no, why no, That's why you're the man. You're the renaissance mm-hmm. man here on the podcast. But to me, I talked about not being yes man, Larry Fedora and Andre Coleman being their own guys. And to me, Rod, this is Tom Herman evolving as a head coach because the staff he brought over from U of H, and even with Tim Beck, there was a comfort level there that he had with all those guys he brought in on yeah. his first staff. But I think now putting those guys on one-year contracts and bringing in guys like Larry Fedora, like Andre Coleman, this is Tom Herman saying, okay, this is just me kind of reading the tea leaves. I think Tom Herman saying, okay, with this staff as it's constructed, I've taken the pro spread probably as far as we can take it. In order for me to take it to the next level to where we can compete with and beat Oklahoma on a yearly basis, I've got to get new ideas in here. I've got to get guys that are outside of this bubble that. that can bring fresh ideas in. So to me, and again, Tom Herman's still a young head coach. Yes, you know, he he's only – the two years at Houston, this will be year three at Texas, five years as a head coach. Yeah. So he's still really figuring out kind of who he is as a head coach. I just think this is another part of Tom Herman's evolution and saying, yes, we're keeping the pro spread, but I've got to add more to it if we're going to take this thing to the next level. Uh, I think that urgency might have been brought on by him having to go back to being a play caller too. 
Mm-hmm. I think the, the more I mean? I the more I talk to people, Rod, we I talked about it a little bit last week. I think that's a big part of it. I think him as a play caller, it's just a, you know he's in a different situation. It's just like a sense of urgency and desperation because I think if for his mind he ran out of let's say ran out of options. He ran out of creative options within the parameters of his pro spread last year, and mm-hmm. a lot of it was talent deficiency. They just you know they had. You know, they had little Jordan Humphrey, they had Colin Johnson, but it's still not the pro spread at every position that he would like, the ideal uh, position. That he would like. We talked about that's Jake Smith, that's Jordan Whittington. You know, he's recruiting those guys. But I do think at one point, and we talked about it in the Big 12 title game, um, and Texas, I think, had a really good game plan going into the Georgia game, but the Big 12 title game, they didn't have many offensive wrinkles. Right. You know what I mean? Like they, it didn't seem like they added a lot to their to their repertoire for that matchup. It seemed like, not that they were vanilla, but they were predictable. You know mm-hmm. what I mean, and they were. It was a, it was a predictable, safe game plan versus Oklahoma, and I think for 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 Tom Harmon calling the plays, he was just like, you know what, I gotta I gotta get more imagination in this offense. I gotta get more options. I gotta get more ways to attack the defense. That's what bringing Larry Fedora, the he's gonna have the multi tempo, the RPO game as well. About you talked about maximizing the guys they're gonna bring in on outside. I think that's a big part of also you know bringing in Andre Coleman. You know the RPO game because the RPO game is the ultimate trump card. All right, yeah. if you're going in terms of matchup advantages, mm-hmm. with a, a if defense. they've neutralized everything, you still have that. Still have more and RPO that's game. what the QB run game also is. It's yeah. like whenever they neutralize you, oh, well, you still have those two to fall back on. I can go to run an RPO if we make the right decision <laughs> right. every time. You know what I mean? And something you said last week, Rod. I think again, just kind of talking to people, you know, in various places uh, about Tom Herman calling plays. I think that's something he doesn't really want to do. No, I agree. No, and that's the thing out of necessity uh, with him. Like, if yeah. you he's think unco- about he's him, he's uncomfortable with it, which is why he wants more mm-hmm. options. He's like, no, no, I'm, I don't really like this. I want, I want more ways to be successful. And I think that's part offense. of that, that's part of the one year contract thing with the staff is maybe this is Tom Herman saying, look, can I trust one of you guys to step your game up and, and call plays? Can I trust one of you with this offense? If not. Then maybe I need to go outside and find somebody who I who I can trust. Amen. Well, and there's that. also that point that I'll you look that. at and think about Tom Herman as a coach and like where how did he get to be a head coach? Because he's so good at that and running an offense. He's a great offensive mind, obviously a yeah. great play caller. And like there always has to be a delegation of duties when you get more responsibilities and you go up the coaching ladder and very few head coaches strictly call all the plays for their entire career. That just doesn't happen, but at, from time to time, out of necessity. Yeah. Because especially when you're at that tipping point where, Agreed. oh, you're right in the momentum, Houston, I got my Texas job, but then it's like actually good to not be reactive, to be proactive and see what's possibly ahead, that there could be some issues, and then self-appraisal and understanding I may be really good, and it isn't as if – the guy doing it behind me is horrible, but he's not going to be as good as me. And are we maximizing our team this way? And if Tom Herman at times is going to have to feel like he needs to put himself in there now, that just means the other delegation of duties at that time may have to be able to find right. a way. And that's what he's learning as a new head coach. And it's just good that he was able to make such a quick decision before it got yeah. to be an issue. And he could even feel the personal, you know, the tide of UT fans, just or unjust. But he understood, well, I really can't control that, but I can control the results on the field. And we need to be the best team. And if it means I have to call plays sometimes or all the time, I bet he'll be content with doing it because that's what he does well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think 
I'm a firm believer in as a, uh, you know guys that are head coaches, you either call your own plays or you don't. And like you just said, Matt, Tom Herman did it because he said, look, that's what I need to do for this team right now. Yep. But in a perfect world, right, I think you're either a you guy that's John, comfortable James doing Harden it or you're not comfortable. Like, and he's Jimbo, admitted, he's admitted on right. record, I'm not comfortable doing it. Right. Like, Jimbo Fisher, like Cliff Kingsbury, Lincoln Riley, like there's plenty yeah. examples Mike of. Mike Gundy is probably the best example for Tom Herman. Right. Well, and Somebody's right now, James Harden forth. had to score all those points in the games and it was out of necessity. Yeah. Now it's not the best type of basketball. Mike Gundy's done it. Mike Gundy's done it several times and went back and forth, but only out of like, oh, I like this guy. Yeah, like this, this guy I really like. Oh, you know what? They need me to do it. So it's always a reason. Always that he's good to have if someone. your guy gets yeah. plucked in the future that you always know you can fall back on too. Yeah. So right. I think that's uh, yeah. I think Tom Herman's gonna be like that if he has a guy that he really, like. Larry Fedora might be a guy he really likes. Just or, gonna make his or, job like, easier. Yeah. Or, or, just or, or to, to Matt easier. to Matt's point, Rod, as you say, when the fit hits the Shan, Tom Herman's hey man. Tom, hey man. the buck stops with Tom Herman where he can say, look. I just need to take it over for this series. Yeah, we got to win. I got it for this situation. I, yeah. Let me get. Nothing let me get it. you. Yeah, no, I agree. Or it could be a Mac Brown situation where, hey, Plan B, <laughs> I'm bringing in Plan B just in case Plan A don't work out. Just mm-hmm. so y'all know, and Plan A knows this too. So Plan A, step your game up, as you yep. pointed out. Step your game up, man. And I, step your I, game up. I don't guys. know. I don't. I'm not saying that I've got information no, no, no. that says this is a message to the I staff. Think it makes but, sense. It's yeah. very Saban like. It's Saban. It I, I say Belichickian. What's another Saban type word? It's a, very Saban like to me though. That's what Saban would do. He does what Saban would do. And it's one of those he, deals he does, where it's not. It's not a knock on guys like Tim Becker, Drew Maringer, or whoever, no. because those guys have proven valuable, whether it's recruiting or wherever. But no. I think this is Tom Herman saying, "Look, we've established a culture." These are our players now. The guys in the program now have spent more time with this Tom Herman staff than they did with Charlie Strong staff. This is Tom Herman saying, look, we've done a really good job through two years, but now the the, the objective is clear. What do we got to do to beat Oklahoma and win this league? You And I think for Tom Herman, it, it's the Shane Bouchelle situation, right? Shane Bouchelle was an at, great quarterback, adequate, quarter, adequate quarterback, can start for, I don't know, 50% of the schools out there. But was he going to help Texas reach the the zenith to reach their apex? Was he that quarterback? No. no. He wasn't going to do that. We all know that. Sam Ellinger has a higher ceiling. So it's all about higher ceiling now. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you did a good job, Coach. But if this is this your ceiling? Mm-hmm. If it is, then I might have to go upgrade to someone with a higher ceiling. That's what recruiting's about. We're trying hey, to maximize. You did, yeah, so he's at the point now he's like, well, Coaches are doing a good job, and you have done a damn good job, but I have to find the higher ceiling. So I can push you to your higher ceiling so you can help us, you know what I mean, get better, or I can go find somebody with a higher ceiling. And that's not personal. That's just Texas. Mm-hmm. That's just being in a blue – that's what a blue blood is. You right. know what I mean? I think it's just that simple. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So that's going to do it for the analyst talk for now, unless another one's hired in between the time we record shows, then we'll talk Very about well another could. analyst Very hired well next could. week. Yeah. But next week we will kind of – We'll kind of go post-mortem on 2018 because we never really did that. So we'll Ooh. have some thoughts on the 2018 season. And we talking combine. We should have a we'll, celebration. We'll, we talking combine, we'll talk, right? So yeah, I, think we're gonna have to, I think we're going to have to get in here early next week because I think we're yeah. going to have a long we're show next week. Combine. we got to talk about the long ones going on the combine. So I'll do a lot of combine research. And we got to preview spring ball because next week's our last show okay. before spring practice starts. Ooh, you know what? We might do, man. Okay, yeah, we're going get, to get in get early. To as yeah. much as it's going to be an extended one next week. I'll bring I'll bring the coffee and uh, <laughs> we'll uh, 
We'll get in the lab early and get it done. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app and on hornfm.com, where you get Rod B. each and every weekday on the Rodcast from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. That's also where you can hear Longhorn Blitz. You can get the show anywhere you get your podcast. And thanks to Matt, regardless of what happens, always get our archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.